Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting alongside my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, the Green Bay Packers are 3-0. and It's a pretty impressive start. It is. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was sitting around with some of our interns after the game last night uh, on a Hoosier among them and, and talking with some people and – Anna Hoosier, who's actually a Buckeye because she went to Ohio State, just to clarify. But we won't get into all that. We won't get into all of the college affiliations. But there was, we were all kind of congregated Mm. around that area. And the question was, you know, kind of came up like, you know, there's only a few of these teams that are left undefeated at this point. And you can also throw out the stats. I know you brought it up about a week or two ago. Matt LaFleur, 3 0 as a head coach. The rest of the first year, the first time head coaches in the league right now, something like two eighteen and one. Yeah, or only two, like that. only two other victories from first time head coaches so far through the first three weeks of the season. So what does that tell you? It tells you it's difficult to win in this league. Mm-hmm. So regardless of the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, consistency and setbacks, the only thing that ultimately matters in the grand scheme of things is whether or not you won the game. The Packers have had some learning moments. They've had some dominant moments. And they're 3-0 to show for it. Yeah, well, a 27-16 victory over the Denver Broncos Sunday at Lambeau Field is what got the Packers to 3-0. And when you look at this game, Wes, it is absolutely the classic A-number-one grade-A example of (laughs) what timely impact plays on defense do. Because defensively the Packers gave up some long drives some clock consuming drives they couldn't get off the field on third down in some instances but at the end of the day the three turnovers two of which led to touchdowns for the offense the six sacks a few of those that stopped drives in their tracks timely impact plays on defense is the name of the game and that's exactly what this Packers defense did to the Broncos so you're right they did give up too many yards uh the running game for Denver was uh very impactful throughout the day I mean they didn't have that big break but they were able to move the ball and they won short yardage situations but two things stood out to me with this one they gave up Green Bay did they gave up two explosive plays in this game so what does that mean it means that in the other cases you mostly were making Denver work for their yards. Yep. So what happens when they work for the yards? It's more plays, which creates more opportunities for a takeaway. And when the defense got those opportunities, as they have through the first two weeks of the season, they capitalized on them. That was the biggest telltale sign of this victory, is they won 3 to nothing in the turnover battle. Offensively, they were able to, again, shut out Vaughn Miller, Bradley Chubb in that pass rush. Third straight game without a sack, not an easy thing to do. Not a turnover for the Broncos' defense either for the third straight game. So defensively, it allowed Green Bay to control the tempo from that. And so many guys stepped up. Preston Smith, his second three-sack game of his career, um, tying a career high. Zadarius Smith had two sacks, including the final one of the game, which is – Smith was saying in the locker room, I mean, that could have basically been anybody. Kyler Fackrell, Kenny Clark, there were so many different guys that were involved in that play – and that's the exciting thing about this defense yeah. is there's just so many guys around the ball that are trying to get after this thing. Takeaways galore. Jair Alexander strips the ball away from Noah Fant, a tight end. Uh, you know, never tell Jair Alexander that he's undersized. He'll prove you wrong every time. <laughs> Darnell Savage gets his first career pick upon review. Rashawn Gary gets his first career sack. 
I just think when you're talking about total defensive performances, and, and Preston Smith discussed this in the locker room, you're not talking about, okay, the, the secondary stepped up, but the defensive line didn't play that well, or the linebackers were good, but the secondary wasn't where they needed to be. They're playing complete 11-man football, and it's allowing them to win games like this. Yeah, for me, the timing of some of these plays was absolutely perfect yeah. for the Packers in, in the game situation and what was happening. You mentioned Alexander's great strip, um, almost simultaneous strip and recovery of the ball from Noah Fant. That's a completion to the rookie tight end from Iowa on a third down yep. that is for a first down. He's across the marker. He has it. Alexander rips the ball away from him. You rewind the clock a little bit. The score is 10-10. to 10. Yeah, You're right. late in the second quarter. The Broncos have the ball. They've put together a couple of long, clock-consuming drives in the first half already. And Green Bay just had a three-and-out offensively. Right. And the Broncos, at the end of the first half, are looking to potentially take the lead, and they're getting the ball yep. coming out of halftime. So it's a crucial point in the game. And what happens? Strip sack of Joe Flacco in the pocket. Rashawn Gary falls on the ball. Actually, a Broncos offensive lineman had a great chance to recover that and save that for Denver. He wasn't able to. Preston Smith not only knocked the ball out of Flacco's hands, but kind of prevented that lineman from yeah. recovering it, and the ball still squirted out. Rashawn Gary falls on it on the five-yard line. The Packers get a touchdown there before half, and then that possession coming out after halftime is when Alexander gets the strip and recovery, the turnover there, and the Packers end up getting another touchdown. So from that 10-10 to 10 point, when you're looking at the Broncos maybe having the back-to-back -back possessions right. to establish something and, and take the lead in the game, those possessions turn into a 24-10 to 10 lead for the Packers because of the two turnovers and the offense capitalizing. The timing of it, to me, was astounding. Yeah, and just, you know, Green Bay gets that takeaway. The offense starts at the Denver five-yard line. I mean, just an incredible situation <laughs> yeah, what more to can be you in. Ask for, right? The Jair Alexander play, he runs he ends up being brought called down, but then the next play right after that, Danny Vitale, twenty seven yards of the one yard line. Two plays later, Aaron Jones goes in for the touchdown, fourteen points off turnovers in a eleven point victory. Yeah. I mean, that shows you how yep. important those key moments are. And just to touch on really quickly with Preston Smith, because we lump him and Zadarius Smith together, and rightfully so. Their lockers are close together. They play the same position. They sign the same offseason. They have a history together, and certainly they're very friendly, buddy, buddy. Yeah. But Preston Smith, I, I've been saying this. You can. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I've been saying this since the summer that so many eyeballs were on Zadarius Smith after the season he had in Baltimore and yeah. where the defense that he was coming from. Preston Smith was kind of the somewhat understated player that the Packers had signed. But I felt from the beginning this guy fit exactly what Mike Pettin wanted to do defensively, and he talked a little bit about that. I also appreciate that it was very refreshing to hear him say when he's asked why he came to Green Bay, it was the best offer on the table. That's the starting point, yeah. right? Yep. It's like that for anybody in any walk of life. Yeah, I don't care not, if you're a professional writer. Right. Or let's not pretend it's something else here. Yeah. 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 But then he said, you know, the way I was going to be used, the conversations we had here, and he just feels like – this defense is bringing out the best in his capabilities. Mike, he has four and a half sacks in three games. He had four sacks last year. His career high is eight, and it isn't just the sacks. It's the fact that he has an interception. It's the fact that he has forced that fumble. He is finding ways to get after the quarterback and make plays whenever he's around the football. And for the Green Bay Packers outside linebackers here to have seven and a half sacks from those two guys specifically at this point, yeah. 
my gosh, what a way to pace a defense. Yeah, no question about it. And I'll go back even to the timeliness factor even earlier in the game. The Packers start out with a touchdown on a free play. Marquez Valdez-Scantling yeah. sprints down the field. Um, Von Miller, I believe it was, jumped off sides for the Broncos. 40-yard touchdown. Packers are on the board 7-0. Broncos immediately, 60-yard kickoff yep. return the other way. They are across midfield. They are in position to answer right away. Defense not only gets a three and out, but on the third down, Preston Smith gets the sack yep. to thwart that drive, and suddenly that 60-yard kickoff return is rendered null and void in immediately by the defense. Denver started at the Green Bay 43 yeah. on that series. I mean, they need 10 yards to get in range for Brandon McManus. Yeah, for a field, for a field goal, and they're, they on, they're on the board. And then later in the first half, the Broncos put together a drive. The Packers maybe catch a little bit of a break when – a holding penalty downfield on Emmanuel Sanders wipes out a touchdown run. Now, Jair Alexander was pretty animated on the field <laughs> that something had happened there that he had gotten grabbed. So whether Alexander really was held that badly or just sold it to the officials, the Broncos had to work a little extra hard to get into the end zone. And then what happens on a third and short in the red zone? Zadarius Smith gets the sack and forces the field goal. So the, the, timing, the timing of these plays, I mean – you know how it is, Wes. You get a sack on third down, it ends a series. You get a sack on first down, the defense still or the offense still has a chance yeah. to convert there. I mean, the timing of these plays is is um, is really what's making the difference because there were some lapses on defense um, in this game. I think maybe even more lapses than we than we had seen, just in terms of the the Broncos being able to basically convert about 50% on third sure. down. They were they were efficient on third down. They had a ton of third and shorts because their running game was working so well. But when you can make plays on defense at the right time, boy, it it, it not only makes a difference in the game, but it just it energizes the team. <clears throat> it fires up the sideline, it fires up everybody else and uh and that that was the difference in this ball game. Yeah, and I want to just touch on as you were illustrating with Jair Alexander a little bit. I don't, I don't like being hyperbolic. I don't know how many times I've said that in this show, but I really, <laughs> truly don't. But I, to me, I think that this is one of his best games, if not his best game in the uniform. And the reason I say that is, one, obviously Emmanuel Sanders had two catches for 10 yards. That's you know the null and void point you start with, with That's him following something. him across the field. Yep. But two, the Packers had some problems tackling at various intervals in this game, and it bit them. I mean, there was some a lot of the big plays that came off of missed tackles. Yeah, Jair Alexander had seven tackles. I think six of them were solo for a little guy. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say little, but for a defensive See, back, he for doesn't. A five he doesn't like being called little. <laughs> for a guy that is not Zadarius Smith. <laughs> okay. For him to be able to make the open field tackles he did was impressive. His two PBUs were impressive. And he's just a menace, man. That that's just he is a menace out there. That's a good word. So even when Fant gets that catch, he comes back and he rips the ball away from him. This is a guy that probably has what eighty pounds, fifty, you know, seventy pounds on Jair Alexander. He sure. don't care. Yeah. And I just think that mindset. So regardless if you're Kenny Clark or Zadarius Smith or Preston Smith, having that type of mindset. That's why at 22 years old, we keep saying Jair Alexander is going to be a player in this league because he hasn't even scratched the surface yet of what his true ability is. Yeah. Well, before we uh, shift gears to talk about the offense a little bit, Wes, sure. select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering catering or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. 
Okay, offensively, I mentioned another fast start. You get a touchdown on the opening drive. Aaron Rodgers, as he is known to do, takes advantage of the free play, throws the ball deep, and Valdez Scantling comes down with it for a 40-yard touchdown. There were, again, some lulls offensively in this game. But then, much like the Minnesota game the previous week, in the fourth quarter, the Packers needed to put together a drive. In the Minnesota game, it was just a kill clock. Yep. In this game, it's a one-score game. That I believe the Packers took over with 13 and a half minutes on the clock Correct. in the fourth quarter. And they drained more than half the quarter. Seven minutes, 41 seconds come off the clock. Very methodical drive. 11 plays, 51 yards. Overcame a delay of game penalty along the way. And got into a pretty reasonable range for Mason Crosby to kick a 41-yard field goal and make this a two-score game. When the offense had to do something, when they when the unit had to produce, it produced. And Aaron Rodgers is, I don't want to say frustrated because he's not. He's looking for more out there. Matt LaFleur is looking for more. Everybody knows this offense is capable of more. But when you can put together drives in the fourth quarter when you absolutely have to have them, that's at least... As you're trying to work out some of this other stuff, that's at least something you can hang your hat on. Unequivocally, because I don't. You, did you ever see that thirty for thirty doc on winning time, Reggie Miller? Oh yeah, the name yeah. Of winning time. Yeah, sure. That's what these moments are about. It's winning time. It's time for you to kind of get yourself together, even if you might have had a couple punts in a row, and find something to build upon. And the other thing I loved about that drive was how many times have you and I seen an inbox or heard from fans like, well, why don't they just give Aaron Jones the ball 35 times a game and just keep <laughs> running him? Jamal Williams is a top-of-the-end running back in this league. And what I mean by that especially is the fact that he's a well-rounded football player. Yes, he is. And there's a reason why you hear Matt LaFleur talk about he wants to balance out the reps because while Williams – and Jones have different strengths. You saw in this game why Jamal Williams is going to play in the NFL for a long time. In addition to the fact that he's sort of that Reggie, or he's almost Reggie, the uh, Edgar Bennett mutter. It just seems like whenever the conditions kind of get junky out, he, he always yeah. seems to step up in that situation. Yeah, I think he I had agree. nine mm -hmm. touches for 56 yards in the second half. But it was that 10-yard catch he had on third and five when that was a gotta-have-it moment for this offense to convert there when they had been having some problems in that capacity. Yes. That you see it. He's just he's a he's a sure, confident pass catcher. He's a good pass protector. He just gives you every dimension that you want out of a running back that you can play on any down. And in this game, when it maybe wasn't coming together for Aaron Jones like it did last week, the offense turned to Jamal Williams and he stepped up. They turned to Danny Vitale and he stepped up. You need to have options to have a sustainable offense throughout the season. I think that's the one positive I've gleaned from these first three weeks, uh, overarching with the offense, is that when somebody needs to rise to the occasion, somebody usually does. Yeah, and you alluded to it earlier. Not only did the Packers shut out Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, that matchup on the edges that we were talking about all week, but Aaron Rodgers made a big point to mention in his post-game press conference that he – basically wasn't touched all day. He said he only got hit once, yeah. and it was on the wheel route to Danny Vitale that got the offense down to the one-yard line after the Alexander turnover. Otherwise, Rodgers was not touched. And 
I'll be honest. I mean, we will talk about this a little bit more going forward with the Packers on a short week here in Philadelphia coming in. For your 35-year-old quarterback to go to the podium after a game like that against a pretty decent Denver Broncos defense and to physically feel pretty good yeah. because his <clears throat> offensive line did such an exemplary job of keeping him keeping him clean on a rainy day and not not just the no sacks, but uh, but the limited contact yes. that he had. I think that could really be a big factor here on a short week heading into this uh, this Philadelphia game on Thursday night. It's a huge factor because we're going to talk about the Eagles enough here in the next couple of days, but that is a banged-up unit right now, and they lost some more guys in that game uh, against the Lions. Yeah, the, so to the Detroit Lions. To deal with. Yep. For the Packers not to have, at least to this point in time in which we're shooting this, any big injuries going into this game now against the Eagles is going to be huge. But for Rodgers, I mean, what can you say about the offensive line and the protection unit? He drops back 30 times. He's only hit once, and that one hit was on a completion, right. a 27-yard completion. I've always found that interesting with quarterback hits. Yes, he was technically hit, but it was an explosive play, so I'd never quite understand why they credit it as such. If it's like, okay, you pressure him into an incompletion, I get that, but I, that's another story for another day. Yeah. But David Bakhtiari, Brian Bulaga, Elton Jenkins coming in. He had a false start early, but being able to settle in there at left guard with Lane Taylor now on IR. Sure. They just There were so many different guys that just were not baited into anything I saw some of the stunts that Miller was running Billy Turner's picking that up I just it was such an incredible performance in that regard it was very understated in this but the fact that Rodgers was upright the fact that his jersey was clean as he said on a muddy night yeah um, that that is absolutely huge especially on a short week yeah well the Packers again for the third straight week we're talking about a lot of issues that the Packers need to work out because it's I guess the simplest way to say it is it's a lack of consistency on offense. They're, they just haven't been able to put together a an extended stretch of, you know, where you're talking three or four drives in a row where everything is right. really clicking. I mean, nobody's going to, you know, Rodgers alluded to wanting to click for 60 minutes. I don't know if there's any offense in the league that really can, you know, be in full gear, full speed ahead for 60 minutes. That's really hard to do. But the Packers are they're, they're in this mode right now where the offense is kind of is kind of in fits and starts. I mean, things will look pretty good. You drive down and you get a field goal or something like that. But then the next couple of possessions, things aren't going right. Rodgers was you know throwing some balls away when you know plays that they were trying to set up. Things just weren't materializing, and so it's like okay, you know, live to live to play another down. You're yeah. winning the game. You don't need to be in a desperation mode to move the ball there. But there were some things that that clearly didn't look good on offense, and and Rodgers, you know, is maybe just maybe getting a tad impatient in that he wants this to start coming around and doing it on a short week now. You know, who knows what's going to happen on Thursday night? But Rodgers feels very confident in the potential of this offense. But he said after the game that it's getting time to where the potential needs to start matching the performance, and that hasn't happened. Sure, right, because, I mean, you're almost at the first quarter pole, right, yep. going through this thing. So, yep. I mean, you need to be able to start finding your identity. Tremont Williams said it about the defense. He wasn't really willing to, you know, make any big, high-arching, uh, you know, proclamations about the defense. He wants to see one more game. The offense is on the same side of that coin, yeah. trying to see what they are now uh, going into October. Thing you got to understand about Aaron Rodgers, he's seen a lot of football. He's going to have high expectations. You and I remember 2011 and 2014 intervals where they just threw the ball. You know, they rolled the ball out in the field. And the Packers scored seven points. Uh, that's that's the optimum situation, but it's always not always realistic for the NFL. They're trying to find just that galvanizing 
I don't want to use galvanize because that got thrown around last year a lot, but they're just trying to find that consistency factor that they're looking for. And I see it. I mean, you look at, you know, some of the plays, whether it was a drop pass here or there, or the ball slipping out of Rogers' hands and kind of sailing over, I think it was Geronimo Allison yeah. in a potential third down situation. I mean, there are, are opportunities. Robert Tanyan going down the sideline, the ball just a couple yards out of his reach. You see where those moments are, and they're just trying to find those and grab those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more than anything else, I just think it's going to be about this team kind of finding a rhythm, getting out to a fast start, which they've done the last two weeks, but then winning the third downs. They were 2-9 and nine again on third downs in this game. So whether it is getting to third and short or just converting when you need to, those are the type of plays I feel like are what can be sort of the gateway to opening up what they're looking for. Yeah. Well, quickly before we go here, Wes, I want to get your impressions on – other things that you saw in week three in the NFL, because as we're taping this, the Chicago bears will be playing on Monday night football, but uh, don't look now, Wes, the NFC North collectively with one game left to go in the first three weeks with the bears playing at Washington on Monday night, the NFC North is eight, two and one. Yeah. Not too bad for a division that no one ever seems to give any credit to. Right. (laughs) Uh, Before I get into that, I just want to make one point. You said it during our Periscope. I want to give you credit for this because it's the last chance I'll be able to say it. Okay. I was touting, okay. Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Treman uh, uh, Smith. Tremont Smith. Tremont. I can never get that yeah. right. Uh, I was saying it was his you know, big debut, possibly a kickoff return. You said Brandon McManus is going to be there. He, that may get negated. It did. <laughs> he didn't get a chance to yeah, see him no. in that capacity. So uh, as far as this week, I want to give you credit for that because I don't think we're going to get another chance to mention that. Uh, Dent- Detroit, man. I mean, And they're finding Boy. ways to win right now. Uh, they still really don't have a consistent running game. Matthew Stafford threw for 201 yards, but they were opportunistic. They capitalized when opportunities presented themselves, and they beat the Philadelphia Eagles to yeah. go to 2-0-1. On, on the, road, on the at, road, at the link, as they say. Which is not easy to do. No, it's uh, not. Minnesota bounce back. Uh, I just I think this whole division is going to be something to really follow this year. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why. I keep bringing it up. But there's a reason why Aaron Rodgers said he thought there could be four teams in the NFC North with top 10 defenses. It just really looks like... The way that things are going right now, to me, for my money, I think it can still be the best division in football this season. I think Detroit is one of those teams that's really hard to figure out right now, frankly, because they should have beaten Arizona in week one. They let a big lead get away. They end up with an overtime tie. The Chargers went into Detroit and missed a couple of field goals and had a slew of other mistakes that kind of handed a game to Detroit. And then yesterday against, against the Eagles... Um, and we'll talk more about Philadelphia moving forward, but the Eagles block a field goal at the end of the game and then a deep pass down the field. Uh, the Philadelphia receiver has a chance to make a play and, is, and to put Philadelphia in position to win, right. and he drops the ball, and Detroit walks out of Philadelphia with a three-point victory, and, and the Lions are undefeated at 2-0-1, and, and the Philadelphia Eagles on the flip side, two weeks in a row, a dropped pass late in the fourth quarter cost them big time. Right. And uh, the Eagles are coming to Lambeau Field at one and two, looking to avoid being one and three at the quarter pole of their season. Eagles are kind of finding themselves in the same situation they've been in the last couple seasons, where they just kind of get off to these slow starts, and then they're suddenly playing catch up again. But again, you can't take, you really can't overlook that opponent. I mean, you see exactly the different areas that they can be effective. They're doing a great job of defending the run right now. 
but yeah, they're 29th against the pass. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look at Carson and they're banged Wentz, up. On and they're defense. banged up. Yeah. Carson Wentz, you know, has been up and down. They're trying to find a consistent presence with the passing game, and their running game has had a slow start out of the gate. There's a lot to dissect with this matchup, and we'll get into it later this week. But I just think this game with the Packers sitting at three and zero and the Eagles at one and two, there's a lot to be learned about both teams. Yeah, there's some other reflections I want to get to on Week One, but we'll do that tomorrow when we uh, discuss the Eagles also in a little bit more depth. But for now, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. Subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.